in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Bad With Money, a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. I'm Gabe Dunn. Our guest this week is Natasha Scott, who is actually the co-host of the podcast Two Black Girls, One Rose, but she is here to talk about where she started her career, which is in education and nonprofit and career development. Hello, Natasha. Hi, how's it going, Gabe? Good. It's so funny. So we had you on Just Between Us. We were talking about Two Black Girls, One Rose, and then you mentioned that you had a job in like career development and resume building. And I was like, actually, we've wanted to do a Bad With Money episode about that for a long time. So welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here and impart any wisdom I can. (laughs) So what is your background exactly? 
Yeah. So my entire career has basically been in education, nonprofit education space. I did my master's at Teachers College, Columbia, master's in higher education. So basically studying the American higher education system. And after I graduated, I started working at Columbia in undergraduate career development, which is basically a fancy way of saying the Campus Career Center. So I was there for three years, essentially working with Columbia undergrad students, helping them figure out what they want to do with their lives after college. Outside of Columbia, I've also been running a nonprofit, kind of a family nonprofit based in New Jersey called Dorsen Community. I now run it with my my husband and we work with low-income first-gen students of color primarily on college and career readiness. So, so yeah, I've been very much in the education nonprofit space and then also have my other job as Two Black Girls, One Rose podcaster. So always very busy. I'm very much a hustler, very entrepreneurial. Uh, So one thing I do, the role I kind of definitely play in my personal life with my friends and family and then also professional is always like the resident resume reviewer, interview prepper, helping people think through their lives. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so that's crazy. So, I mean, that's really interesting and a diversion from like what people might think from the podcast. So, okay, so you started working with Columbia University students which I think is very different than what would be in Dorset, right? Like very, yes. Extremely. What was the top, like when you were talking to Columbia University students, what was the top anxiety or what was the top question they had coming into you? Yeah. So yeah, it's funny. Working at Columbia was also, is very different because my career even prior to Columbia was mostly focused on working with low income high school students. And so Columbia was very much a different change for me. And the biggest concern with Columbia students, I think a lot of students at Columbia are, they're very gifted, obviously. They're, you know, everyone coming in is like valedictorian of their class. So they are failing for the first time. They're like getting a B for the first time. Like they're kind of really kind of testing out their independence and really understanding if the thing that they always said they wanted to be in life, you know, you know, I want to be a doctor my whole life or whatever, if that's actually true. So a lot of like identity, a lot of self-exploration, a lot of self-development. My role is very much kind of challenging them because I can kind of, I can read a person very well if they're like, yeah, I want to be a doctor. And I'm like, okay, tell me more. And they can't really tell me anything, you know, like, okay, this is an identity that you've just been, you've either it's been pressed upon you from family and influences or pressed upon yourself your whole, your whole life. And so I'm going to work with you to actually make sure this is what you want to do before you commit to going to medical school. So the biggest, the biggest thing definitely was a lot of like self-exploration, self-development work with those students. So, and now the type of people that you help more so are what you said, low income, first generation, uh, going into college or, or career counseling. So how is that different? And like, what was the advice? You know, how is, how is doing that sort of education different? Mm-hmm. So yeah, the students I work with through Dorson are, they're in high school, so a bit younger. They're kind of naturally self-exploring, or that's really our focus is you should be in a space of exploration, right? You're, you don't really know yourself yet, <laughs> even to say like, I'm only going to pursue this thing. So similarly, a lot of self-development, a lot of self-exploration, a lot of very much focused on just exposure. So our career readiness program at Dorson, we'd always bring in different guest speakers, different professionals, primarily professionals of color from a wide variety of industries 
just for them to come and meet students and talk to them about their careers and have the students ask them questions and really just very much focused on giving exposure. You know, you might not you might not, you know, you know, understand or really care what engineer Bob is saying, but you can now make an informed decision to know, like, I don't want to go into engineering because I've heard him speak about it. He's talked, he showed pictures about his job and I understand that's not a fit for me. So that's really our focus with working with high school students. So obviously there's like resume tips, you know what I mean? So you're saying you're reading through people's resumes. What are you looking for? And like, what are the things that are, are you're like, oh no, red flag immediately. Mm-hmm. So a resume the goal of a resume is really to get an interview. So I think everyone going in, um, they're thinking like, I need to get a job. I got to get a job. I got to get this job. I think even before we even get there, the goal of your resume is to get an interview. So a huge part of my job and, you know, working with students is really helping them really cater their resume to the jobs that they're applying to like very much specifically applying it to, or very much specifically aligning it to the job description. When you're applying for a job, all you really have is the job description to go off of, right? And then when the recruiter gets your resume, all they really have to go off of is your resume and the job description. So in putting together your resume, you are really trying to help the recruiter see that you're well aligned with this job. Right. Um, and so being very intentional with making sure your resume is very specific and catered to the job description, because the goal is for the resume, for the, the recruiter to see the alignment and invite you in for another conversation. And that's really the focus. So I think not even getting ahead of yourself, like, I got to get this job. I got to like impress them. It's like, no, just cater your resume to the job description. That's the first, the easiest thing, because you're just trying to get in to have an interview and have a conversation to bring your resume to life. But you can't just copy paste what they say in the, so how do you, how do you finesse it? Yeah. So not, not copy and pasting, (laughs) which definitely a big no-no, but utilizing, using some of the language that you're seeing in the job description. So if they're saying, if you're reading a job description and it's like, manage, manage, manage this, manage that. If they're using the word manage a lot, you want to make sure your resume is very much doing the same thing. So not copy and pasting like whole phrases verbatim from the job description, but just really paying attention to the keywords, the buzzwords that clearly seems to be very important in this job and making sure that you're reflecting some of that in your resume. How far can you stretch sort of fibbing? You got to definitely do some finessing. (laughs) (laughs) with making yourself sound as as good as possible. I think there's a level of, it it really depends on the industry with the level of like fibbing that you can get away with. If you're going into like hard sciences, like engineering, and there's certain things that you're really going to have to know, and it's going to be a core part of the job, you can't kind of lie and say, yeah, I know how to code in Python when you don't, because that's a core part of the job. But I think in certain, like, for instance, back to the example of like managing, a common challenge you see people facing and trying to like level up and, and advance in their career is, you know, you need to come with management experience. It's like, all right, how do I bring management experience? I've never managed anybody before. Like, what do I, how do I say that? So a little bit of finessing that you can do is just getting really creative. Okay, I might not have managed, you know, direct reports, but maybe I helped manage a project that had a team of colleagues. And maybe I was one of the co-managers of that. You know, you can like 
you have to get really creative and and really think through your experiences. Okay, maybe I didn't manage people directly, like I didn't have interns or assistants reporting to me, but did I manage projects? Did I manage initiatives? Did I, um, and can I kind of finesse it to make it seem like I managed my, managed some staff in a way? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. In terms of resume, it's been so long since I've had to make one and I'm old. What order are things going in? So let's say it's like, it's like your name up top and then like, what's the order of a resume and should it be one page? That's a good question. So generally, it really depends. Generally, one page is fantastic. I would say if you're going on to a second page, you want to fill up at least half of that second page. So you need to have at least enough experiences to fill up half. I think when you're around probably, you know, mid 30s, middle career, you've been in the game, say you graduated college at 23, you've been working for 10 years. I think it's totally fine to go on to two pages. You've had enough experiences to fill up the two and fitting to one is tough by then. If you're fresh out of college, I mean, you got to fit it to one, you know what I mean? And then in terms of the order of events, there's so many different ways that you can put a resume together. It could be chronological. It could be more, there's some resume, I'm trying to remember the term, or you do it, you group it by skill set. But generally, yes, name up top. Typically, education section comes comes next. Sometimes education section can come last. I would say if you're middle career, you've been in the game 15, 10, 15 years, the recruiter reading your resume is more focused on what you can do in the job and care less about where you went to school. So that can kind of push, that's where you see those education sections push, you know, more to the back. But yeah, then you dive into your experiences. So your professional experiences, you might divide it into, here's my management section, here's my like strategy section. You can divide it up by different like job function areas. At the back, you might have, it depends if you're going into like a more academic career, your awards and publications is definitely going to be a, a big section. If you're going into like project management or something project-based, a project section. So it really can depend on the industry. If you're going to the arts and you've been working in, in film or something, you might have a section of like projects and festivals, like, and, you know, listing out all of those. So really kind of depends per industry, but generally you know, your name section, your, uh, your experience section, and then the rest is kind of like flexible. Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. You guys know that I have had allergies for forever. I've had seasonal allergies since I was a kid. It causes pressure in my face, under my eyes. They're my ultimate handbrake. When my nose is plugged up, I feel like I can't do anything. I can't enjoy food because I can't taste it. I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even host the show because my voice sounds like a duck. And listen... I am already dealing with vocal strain from testosterone and my voice dropping. I don't need any more problems with allergies. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I've been taking Claritin D for allergies like probably for the last 10 years or something. And it's been an absolute life changer. I can go outside without my eyes watering like a fountain. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped in my throat. 
I get really embarrassed when I'm sneezing all the time. I have like an itchy nose or throat, like ugh, like just the, the itchiness in the back of your sinuses is like so distracting and so annoying. And I get like pressure in my ears too. It's really painful. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Managing my finances is incredibly stressful and time consuming. I'm sure you guys know. You've been with me on this journey. You know how many finance apps I've tried. You know how much they haven't worked for me. And I'm always on the hunt for a finance app that fits my life. And then I tried Monarch. It is so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I really value an app that allows me to do all of this without confusion. And especially important to me is intuitive design and the ability to personalize because clearly finance is not one size fits all. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top-rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Together, you can see all your finances, collaborate on your budget, and get insights on your cash flow and recurring transactions. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it so easy to help you reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Have you been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, rarely updated? So was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful and ad-free and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Experience a personal finance app that prioritizes the user experience above all else. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Plus, there's ad-free privacy you can trust. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash badmoney for your extended 30-day free trial. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a new candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. It would be so much easier if I was looking for someone to help me with sweetening audio or let's say someone to run my merch shop or all the little things that go into running a podcast. Usually something like that would be so slow and overwhelming. 
And honestly, I wish I had used Indeed and I will use Indeed in the future. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do they care about where you went to school? Also depends. If you're going into, I mean, it's going to be very, very generalized, but if you're going into like banking or consulting and working at one of the big five or big three, names in those industries tend to carry. When I say carry, it means they just get you in the door quicker for an interview. It doesn't mean you're going to get the job, but you might get an interview quicker because you went to a big name school versus not. So I would say in some industries that are a little bit, some industries that get high volume applicants. So when I was working at Columbia, they did on-campus recruiting. So big tech, big consulting, big finance would come on campus, specifically because they want to recruit all the Ivy students. They're getting high volume amount of applicants. And so they really care. You know, the fact that they're they're spending their budget, their recruiting budget on going and specifically recruiting from these schools, they obviously are showing that they care about the the name of the schools. But I would say other industries, maybe like film and television, they want to see what you can do. They want to see your work. You know, so the school is going to care way less. That sucks, though, for like the industries where they're just rec- they just look at what school you went to and then move on. Yeah, it it definitely does. It's 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 not fair. I have a I could talk all day. I have a lot of thoughts about on campus recruiting and just that whole industry. It's it brings an issue of access, right? If I'm a student from a small, you know a small HBCU in the South that is interested in finance and banking, I'm already behind the curve because they're not coming to recruit at my school. And then when I submit my application, I'm going to be somewhere in the middle or the back of the pack because all the IVs, all the big, you know, the IV plus students are pushed to the top because their name carries. So it's, yeah, it's obviously an issue of access and discrimination and typically will impact students from low income and communities of color. Yeah, I was going to ask the old study that they would do where they would say, oh, we sent in the same resume, but it was like from someone named Jerome. And then we sent in a resume from someone named Michael. And it, you know what I mean? Like, and so it was like this, this thing of like Jerome Lopez didn't get the interview, but Michael Warrington did or whatever. Is that, is that like, still the case or is that sort of an old study well racism still exists <laughs> i know but yeah in- anecdotally in your experience mm-hmm. you're still gonna find recruiters that have their own implicit biases so there's there's definitely ways for them to try to you know undercut that and really just go based on merit and resume and not but these are still humans right that are reviewing these resumes and are still going to bring their own implicit biases um i think a huge part of my job 
at Columbia or just in general, even in my life with my friends, we can talk resume all day. We could talk interviewing all day, but let's talk about networking. Let's talk about like really bringing life to these documents and having people meet you and get to know you for you. Because you do have to be realistic that there is going to be judgment with things like name. You know, it's not, you know, it's, it's 2023, it's not 1950, but people still are going to be prejudiced against Jerome Lopez, you know? And Who went to a historically Black college or university. They'll see that. Exactly. So really, it's how do I meet people? How do I connect with alums from my school who are there? How do I, you know, work my LinkedIn and try to connect with recruiters and really put in that extra step so I'm not just a resume that's sent off into the void? What do you mean make the documents shine, like show you? Yeah, I think I I, like I always say anywhere that you apply, anywhere that you submit a resume, Always get onto LinkedIn and see if there's a recruiter that you can connect with and and set up a phone call with. Always look into your second and third connections and see if there's anyone from your alma mater. I always advise people to any job that you apply to and you're going to send off your resume, always also try to get on LinkedIn or think through your connections and see if there's anyone that you can connect with at that place as well. So you're not just setting, you're not just relying on this piece of paper to tell you who you are, but you're also relying on hopefully building a connection, a personal connection with someone at that company that can help bring that paper to life and help bring you into being a real person behind that piece of paper. If you're connecting with someone on LinkedIn or an alumni, what should you say? Connecting with alumni, I think you just... First, start off by pointing out that we both graduated from the same institution, see that you're working at insert name of company. I've been interested in, you know, exploring careers there or whatever. I would love to meet with you and kind of just learn more about your experience. So not bringing in any type of energy of like, I need something from you. But of course, the underbelly of all of this is like, I need a job here and I would love to get your like input or connections of some sort. But you're really making it just like, I see you're working somewhere. I would love if I could get, you know, 15 minutes of your time to do a Zoom or a coffee chat, you know, give them some dates, make it very easy for them. You just want to kind of talk about their experience and, and learn from them. People generally love talking about themselves. Most people, I would say everyone, but most people want to help in some way. And the lowest hanging fruit of helping is to meet with someone for coffee. You know, I'm not asking you to mentor me. I'm not asking you to get me a job. I'm asking you to just like meet for coffee for 15 minutes. And most people find like, if they have the time and they will make the time for it, that it's it's a low hanging fruit for them. What about if you reach out on LinkedIn? Like how to craft the message? Yeah. Same way, same thing. So, hey, I'm, I just wanted to connect with you. I see that you are alum from my school. You're working at X company. And yeah, would love for love to connect with you over coffee. I just would love to pick your brain and kind of learn more about your experience. Same thing. It's funny that LinkedIn is still a, a thing that matters to people. Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn, I'm myself, I'm not super active on LinkedIn. I just with the podcast and Instagram is enough. It just <laughs> Instagram and TikTok got me. But some people are very, very active on LinkedIn and it definitely matters. I have friends who work in recruiting that they 
on their screen, they keep LinkedIn open. Like as a recruiter, that's just like a, a huge playground for them and a huge workspace for them. And an active part of their job in recruitment is fielding messages, sending messages, looking around at other companies and learning what are they doing, who's working where. So LinkedIn absolutely matters. And it's probably the best platform to use to find alumni connections and to just run a quick search of a company to see who works there and to see if you have any connections to anyone there. It's pretty much LinkedIn is the way to go to find those find those things. How much do they check your resume? Like call your, you know, references or check, did they actually go major in the X, Y, and Z or did they actually work at a certain place? Usually the background check and the checking of references comes when you're like in the final round. It depends on the company, whether they've they've either given you an offer already or it's right before they're going to give an offer. Then they ask, can you submit a few references? I mean, it depends, but generally people do check references. They might not call all three. They might just call one just to like make sure you're not a psycho. But submitting references and keeping good relationships or at least keeping some soft relationships with your old supervisors or old colleagues is important because there's generally going to be a time where you're going to be asked to submit references. And so you want to make sure you have some people that could say something nice about you. (laughs) Do you, what, who else could count as a reference if let's say this is your first job or let's say you burned your last job? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a manager, supervisor is always the best. Colleagues in some instances. I mean, some places will tell you specifically, like, we need a reference from a manager or supervisor. So you kind of have to go with what they're asking for. But if it's open, then colleagues, people that you've worked with, people who are lateral to you. If it's really wide open, you can ask mentors, people who know you in a capacity. You generally want someone who can speak to your work ethic. So your auntie, your mom, like obviously family members generally know, but people who know you in a work capacity. Like a, if it's your first job, could be like a professor. It could be. Yep. It could be a professor. Or somewhere you volunteered. Absolutely. Somebody who can speak to your work ethic, who knows you in some type of professional, like just not purely personal perspective. So yeah, volunteer, supervisor, professors, research advisors, things like that. So what do you do about like gaps in your resume? Like how to speak about them? or How do you speak about it? Or how do you, let's say you're not even going to get the job interview because of a big gap. How do you explain the the gap or what's the best way like on the resume to be like, this is what, where do we explain the gap? If like, it's like 2012 and then the next thing shows up in like 2017. That's a great question. Gaps, particularly long gaps, can be tricky. Those, I mean, there's nothing you can really do. You can't fill in some fake stuff. So you kind of have to just show it how you have to just structure your resume in however way you can. But that's where the networking and trying to talk with a recruiter and humanizing your resume really comes into play because that can be alarming with it's just on paper. And then I think the cover letter is where you can do some of that explaining off bat, just explaining it off bat. Like I haven't worked in X number of years. This is what I was you know, challenged with or for whatever reason, and I'm back in. Also, you want to really explain what were you doing during that time off, not without, you know, without getting too personal or if it's like a medical leave or something like that, but showing how you even if it is a little bit of fibbing, showing how you maintained productivity and what you were working on or projects or volunteering or whatever during that leave. But the, so the cover letter and then trying to explain that best you can through an informational or some connection with a recruiter can help. 
Hey guys, Gabe Dunn here. I just wanted to let you guys know that I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Gabe S. Dunn. And on that Patreon, I'm going to start doing live hangs with everyone who is a patron. So if you want to join the Patreon, you can get all these episodes ad-free, videos of our mailbag episodes, extra writing from me, blogs, fiction, other stuff, things that I'm thinking about with regards to money and personal stories, and also now live hangs with me on Zoom once a month. So join the Patreon. And if you're not a member of the Discord, hop on over to the Discord. That's free. The link will be in the description. It's so fun. So many of you guys talk over there. It's like truly popping off. Um, and if you're on the Discord, I would love to see you in the live hang so I get to put a face to a name. So yeah, please join patreon.com slash Gabe S. Dunn and come hang out with me. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Everything is more expensive these days when you're running a business, and you would be wise to find proven ways to cut costs and boost performance at the same time. The fact that you are able to reduce your IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud is incredible, and the ability to access your cloud financial system from anywhere saves you so much time and stress. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash badwithmoney, netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. NetSuite.com slash bad with money. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. 
What do you say in a cover letter generally? I always found them to be like, oh my God, are you kidding me? You need me to do this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the cover letter is where you kind of want to highlight two of your best attributes or projects. So things that are on your resume, but bringing them, bringing a little more context and kind of like bragging about them a little bit deeper. So if you, um, let's say you're going into the film industry or something like that, and you worked on a film that you're super proud of, it's going to be on your resume. But the cover letter is an opportunity for you to like give a little bit more context and talk about the the big award that you won and what that award really signified or to name drop. You know, I, I my team included these people on it. So some of that stuff, you can't really take up all that space on the resume. But in the cover letter, you can dive in deep on some of that. Would it be like if, if it is a medical I'm just thinking about like in a cover letter sort of being like. And so what happened was, you know, my mom had cancer and I was taking care of her for a year and that's what this gap was. But in the meantime, like, are, I think like, is it kind of like almost like a college essay where you're explaining like what, what, ha- the, what had happened was the whole sob story. Yeah. I, so there's a level of disclosure that you yourself have to be comfortable with. I don't think we're not asked, what we're not asking you to do is to air out your mom's whole business. But, you know, I took a leave to serve as a caregiver for a family member. It was a difficult time, but during that time, I, you know, built my blank skills. I, you know, X, Y, Z, like, so giving very quickly, succinctly, here's what happened. And then very quickly after that, talking about, what you gained from that experience, what you learned, what you're, what are you going to take from that experience and bring into this new position? What if you had legal troubles? Like, what if you went to prison? If you went to prison, yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> I know. I just am like, oh God, it's so rough out there. Yeah, it is. That, I mean, that's a different story. I wouldn't advise you to write all that in your cover letter. That's something that they're going to discover in the background check anyways. But again, for me, it really comes back to trying to connect with people, finding contacts, finding alum, even just making a contact through a recruiter and getting to build rapport with somebody who can understand you and you can explain some of this too. So it's not just your resume that's doing the explaining and it just gets you know thrown in another pile. That's so wild how much networking is part of it and how gate-kept networking is. Yeah, it's like I I read some statistic. I don't know how they measured this, but probably like Forbes or one of them that I think like 80 percent or 70 percent of jobs nowadays are gotten through referrals. It's not through the online portal and submitting your resume. So you really have to work smarter. You know, there's some people who work very hard. They send out resumes all day long and all, you know, they go to the coffee shop for hours and just like beast out and send out these resumes and are beasting these cover letters. That's working really hard. If you want to work smart, you got to supplement that work with networking, connecting with recruiters, connecting with alum, talking to people in your network, just letting everybody know I'm looking for jobs. I particularly if you find a company that you're really passionate about talking about it with people and seeing through that conversation, do you know anyone? I heard, I know you have a friend that kind of does something in consulting. Like, I don't know if she works at this company, but can you connect me with her? I would love to talk with her because maybe that per it may not be your immediate network, but someone in your network might know somebody who might know somebody. So that networking and that just getting comfortable with speaking about your dreams and sharing with people what's going on with you, that has to supplement the just sending out resumes. It has to. Maybe going to panels where people who work at that place are at the panel. Just trying to think of like 
free stuff or stuff that you could do? Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of company now or companies now, particularly this is like a, a remnant of the pandemic, do like v- webinars and like virtual events and just being engaged in what those companies are doing and putting on. And those are things that you can speak to when you speak to a recruiter. You know, I saw you guys did a virtual panel on blah, blah, blah. I was in the audience. I thought it was really interesting. These are things that you can mention in your uh, your cover letter. You know, I'm so passionate about what your company does. In fact, at the last panel you had last month, I learned blah, blah, blah. So really showing people that you're engaged in the community. But some of that work is done on paper, of course, but some of that has to be done in person and on the phone and through LinkedIn and through connections. Especially when you're, you're talking about some of these more, I would say, quote unquote, non-traditional people who've taken leave of absences or have gaps in their resume, or if you're a bit older than the typical applicant, that is where that is even more crucial because it's hard out there. <laughs> just being honest, it's just hard out there. So in terms of interview prep, what does that look like? And what do you do once you get to that stage? What are you, what are you advising people on? Yeah. So interviewing, I always say like no one is born just coming out the womb interviewing well. Like it's a skill. And with any skill, it takes a lot of practice. It's pretty unnatural for most people to like talk about themselves and brag about themselves, right? It just doesn't come natural to a lot of us. And so with practice, you just get comfortable talking about yourself and talking about yourself in a positive manner. And so interview prep is crucial. I don't advise people to just roll up raw to an interview. <laughs> like you really should be getting in some practice with a friend, with a colleague, with a, a coach or whatever. But yeah, interview prep is really, most interview most interviews now are what we call behavioral interviews. So they're asking questions like, tell me about a time when. Very open-ended. Tell me about a time when you didn't get along with a colleague. Tell me about a time when you worked on a project that you're really proud of. Tell me about a time when insert whatever. These are basically questions that allow you to kind of do some storytelling, essentially. So probably one of the first steps that I would do with students when it comes to interview prep is really sitting with your resume and getting to know your resume, like refreshing your memory on what are all the things that you did, thinking through some of these stories positive stories, proud moments, negative moments, and really just doing some self-reflection. We tend to forget what we did, you know? We tend to forget some of our biggest accomplishments or most proud moments. So step one is really sitting with your resume and just doing a little bit of self-reflection and writing down, just jotting down some stories. Like I can use this story for these types of more positive questions. I can use this, these stories for like teamwork questions. I can use these stories for more like negative or weakness stories. And so that's really the first step is just kind of like recollecting. And then from there is just prepping, kind of like drilling, doing mock interviews. So employing a friend, employing, you know, uh, an old colleague or whoever, sending them the job description for the job. You could easily Google like mock behavioral questions, you know, and then just having them, you know, do a mock interview with you and just giving you that practice of, telling some of these stories. And the biggest thing with interviewing is, particularly with these like behavioral stories, very open-ended stories, people have a tendency to do one of two things, either ramble, so just like endlessly keep talking and then you almost forget what the damn question was, or be too succinct and not give enough. So 
there's a model that's like a method that we used to, or I used to teach at Columbia that you can Google and also find called the SARA model. It stands for Situation, Action, Results, and Application. So in any story, behavioral-based story, you generally want to like run your story through this model. So Situation S, you start off by just laying out the situation. So if it's like, tell me one at a time when you worked on a team. You lay out the situation. At my last job, I worked on a website rebuild with a team of, you know, four colleagues in the marketing department. So boom, lay out the situation. A is action. So what are the actions that you took as part of this situation? So my role in this story or in this project was doing all the research, you know, uh, managing all the meetings and the deadlines and setting up the asana and then putting together the final presentation. So literally you can like use your hand, like boom, boom, but like one, two, three. So help you to kind of lay out the actions is results. So what were the results of your actions? So as a result of our presentation, our pitch was, you know, selected. I got to lead the team through the design and blah, blah, blah. So you lay out what were the results of that. Probably the most important piece that most people tend to forget is A, the application. What did you learn from this experience that you're not going to apply into this new job? So from that experience, I really was able to hold my management skills, got more comfortable with public speaking and putting together pitch decks. And that's something that I know going to directly align with this role as the director of whatever, whatever at this job. Tying it all together without that last piece of tying it together and aligning it to the job that you're in the chair interviewing for. Without doing that, you're kind of just sitting there telling a nice story. (laughs) So... You really got to round it out. And yeah, the Sarah model, I say, just kind of run all your stories through that. Keep it in the back of your mind. If you're doing a virtual interview, keep a sticky note that says Sarah on your laptop. So as you're telling your story through Zoom, you can like guide yourself through the Sarah model. And that really can, like any behavioral question, you can run through that model and it can help you keep very neat and tight with your answers by also giving enough context, but not so you're rambling. What do you do about questions like, what did you, when did you not get along with a coworker or what it, what's your greatest weakness? So for the weakness question, you know, everyone says I'm a perfectionist. That's like the most overused like weakness or like I, 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 too, I work too hard. Like that's tired. You want to find a quality or a characteristic or a weakness that, it can be a true weakness, but won't impact the job that you're applying for too much. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of a good example. If I'm, let's say I'm applying for like an engineering role or something. My job is mostly going to be doing like sitting behind a computer, doing some coding, whatever. A great weakness could be like public speaking. It's something I struggle with. It could be public speaking or like putting on, yeah, put, you know, doing presentations, something like that. It's something I struggle with and it's something I'm working on. You always want to point out how you're improving it. So always put a positive I'm spin. I'm taking an improv class right, or, something. or some, something. And it's a weakness that is a true weakness. So you are showing some vulnerability and some honesty in my role as the engineer. Like it's not something that's going to impact the role too much. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. that's really smart. That's extremely smart.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. How do you get someone to hone in on, okay, this is what I actually want to do? I mean, it's, I think it, it really, really, you have to start with like some doing some honest self-reflection. I think that's a missing step that a lot of people take, particularly adults. So if we're talking high school, college students, you know, they have more time, they have four years to kind of figure it out. But adults who are got bills to pay, right? They they're desperate to get back into the workforce or, you know, whatever, you know, don't take as much of that time to really do the self-reflection and to really ask themselves, like, what is it that I want to do? They're kind of just desperate to find something, understandably. But you're not going to perform well in an interview for a job that you generally don't care about. You know, it's you're, it's going to be hard for you to sell yourself for something that you actually don't even really care about. So really doing that intentional work to understand, like, what did I really like about my last job? You know, it maybe it's a job that you you told yourself you hated. I hated that damn job. Couldn't wait to get out of it. Sit and really challenge yourself. What were the parts that I liked? Like, what were the, if I had to really boil down to what I did every day, what is something about the job that if my job was just that, I would have been happy. If I could have just led meetings or just put together pitch decks, I would like that. So really doing that reflection work to figure out what is it that I really like and want to lean into and then trying to do the research to understand what are the jobs that are going to really cater to those things that I like. Sometimes it does take talking with a coach. I would say, uh, so I'm in my early 30s. I've been working for over 10 years now. My friends are around the same age. I have a few friends who are seeing a career coach now. They're at an age where they're like trying to maybe transition into something else. They are kind of bored of the industry they've been in. They're like a transition period. And sometimes it's you get stuck because you don't really know how to figure out how to move forward or where you want to move forward to. So sometimes if you have the means investing in a coach to help you help with one, keeping you accountable to make sure you're applying for jobs and doing the work, but then also to ask you some of these hard hitting questions so you can really tease out your experiences and find yourself in a position where you will be more, you know, at peace or happy with your job. Yeah. My boyfriend who's a big fan of your show. He changed from being a CPA to being a software engineer. And he just, he was like, you know, it was a risk. And he just went and took a coding boot camp and was like, okay, let's, let's go. And that was like a big risk and leaving a job that was, you know, comfortable and to, to, to in order to do something else is is like a very yeah it's very scary when you are asked like when they say what salary are you looking for what do you do 
Mm-hmm. So you always want to do your own research and understand the range for where you're living in, so whatever city or region that you're in. So, you know, salaries in New York City look very different than Tallahassee, Florida. So understanding the range, so what you're working with, and then also like company size and budget. So you can't ask a small business with three employees the same amount that you could ask like a huge corporation. So doing your own research, Glassdoor is a great website. You know, most people know it. There's probably others by now. But understanding the range. So you have a a estimate and like a rough number, the rough range in your head. When it comes to salary negotiation, generally the rule is you don't want to give out a number first. You want them to <laughs> come first with the number. And then if you really are pushed into a corner, you want to give a range. So never give just one specific number. Give yourself a nice range. Maybe maybe have a number, like your goal number in your head and give a range that's like 5K below and 5K above. That's like a good way to put it. Because then negotiation starts. They're always going to lowball. You know, companies are always going to want you for the cheapest that they can get. And so you want to make sure that you're going to land somewhere in the range that you're comfortable with. What? So let's say you're having trouble finding a job you really want to work for a certain company or you find a job that's like a lower level than what you were normally doing or like a lower salary, but you're like, maybe, is it worth it to do that to try to like get in with this company? Is it, is it like, should, is it like, cause I find a lot of people I talk to are like, oh, I'm overqualified for this job. But mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you can afford to take a pay bump or a pay, uh, a pay cut, um, that is sometimes a strategy to break into a new industry. Um, it's really dependent on the person and whether they can afford, you know, to be making less. Um, but, um, yes, in some instances you might be, you're not always trying to get a job that's going to catapult you to another level. Sometimes you are making a lateral move. Sometimes you are trying to break out of, you know, tiny nonprofit and break into national nonprofit or something. And you might need to move laterally. So you might be going from a manager position to a manager position and might not be making that much more. But now you have your foot in the door at a place with way more contacts and whatnot. So um, so sometimes there is strategy um, and a benefit to doing that. Um, but you do have to ask yourself, like, financially, can I afford it? My final wrap up sort of question is like, If you, what do you do if you were like fired from your last job? Like not just like laid off, like, oh, there were budget cuts, but like you were like fired. Like how do you then talk about that to the next job? Yeah. So yeah, definitely finessing and really sitting with yourself um, during your interview prep to understand how can I talk about that experience and what I learned from it. Um, So really focusing on putting a spin. Everything is involving a little bit of a spin. Um, So yeah, I was let go in all honesty because, you know, me and another colleague, you know, couldn't get along or there was issues, whatever, whatever. Um, But, you know, what I learned from that experience is, you know, not taking things personally, not, you know, letting that get in my way. And, you know, here's how I've done that work already, you know, outside of work, I volunteer, I've taken up new roles, I've gotten comfortable with, you know, working with people, different personalities. So it's kind of owning it, 
um, not placing blame or talking negatively about your your past work experience. Um, that goes a long way too. the way you talk about where you came from, particularly if you were fired there, being able to own completely and take accountability and then immediately backing it up with a spin of how you've improved and how you're currently actively doing better. Yeah, I love that. It's wild, but it's all sort of like performance. Um, it's, and so I, and so also like, what's finally, like, what's something if someone's like discouraged or they're like, you know, they've been sending resumes for a long time or like, how do you maintain, if you're listening to this, like, how do you keep your head up basically? And like, are you, do you think what, if I was listening to this and I was back at the time when I was sending out resumes, I think I would be like, okay, let me change strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how I mean, do you job- not get so discouraged and mm-hmm. like hate yourself? Yeah. 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 Job hunting is like not for the faint of heart. It is a full-time job within itself. Most people that are job hunting have already have jobs. And so it's like, imagine the stress of your current job and now you're stressed out trying to find another job. Like it's, it sucks. Just I can acknowledge that a hundred percent. Um, I think it's, it's similar to honestly a little similar to online dating. Sometimes you got to take a break. <laughs> Sometimes you got to take a weekend and just like not apply for shit and just like mentally take a, a breather from it because it is, you, you do, you know, feel as if you're getting beat up a little bit. I think, um, what you said about re-strategizing, you know, sometimes sitting and thinking like, what can I do differently? I've been going at it in the same way and it's not working. What do I need to change up? Maybe you need to, you know, invest a little bit more time on LinkedIn and just do a round of just like sending out messages to recruiters and try to set up informationals and you take a break from just the job hunt, the resume, you know, submitting. Um, so yeah, sending some time, you know, spending some time like re-strategizing a bit. Um, and then also, also just like trying your best not to take things as personally. Um, you don't ever know what the recruiter is like actually looking for. And it's not that you're not good enough. It just, they found somebody who was just a better fit and has nothing to do with your experiences not being good. You're going to be a good fit for a job. But the ones that you're not getting is because you weren't a fit for whatever reason that you will literally never know. So not taking it too personal, not too hard. And when you do start to get more like very down in the dumps, just check in with yourself and take a take a day breather, take a two week breather, re-strategize. It's harder when you don't have a job and you're not going from one job to another where you're like kind of desperate and you're, you don't have a job. And so you're like like fumbling to try to find a job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think leaning on support as well. So, um, you know, your resume should be looked at by at least two people. It shouldn't just be you sitting with your resume, send it to a friend, send it to a cousin, have at least two others mark it up and tell you to chop it and screw it a little bit and tell you make these changes. So, um, so yeah, just making sure your documents, your resume, your interview prepping, like you're putting in the work to kind of become your best self um, and utilizing your supports around you so you're not alone in the process. This is um, extremely helpful. Um, where can people find you and more about you and your work? 
Yeah. So um, we mentioned before, I'm a co-host of Two Black Girls, One Rose podcast. Um, We uncover what we can learn about modern dating, love and relationships through popular television. You can find us and listen to us anywhere podcasts are found. Um, So definitely a a different side to my life. I'm, you know, a lot more fun over there (laughs) talking about TV and laughing with my best friend. Um, And yeah, find us everywhere podcasts are found. Two Black Girls, One Rose. Find us on Instagram. Join us on Patreon for all of our bonus content. Um, and then you can also check out our nonprofit, Dorsen Community, um, if you want to get involved with giving back to very motivated, super bright, high-achieving students um, from the inner cities of North New Jersey. Um, we're always looking for volunteers, always looking for donations. Um, and that's DorsenCommunity.com, D-O-R-S-O-N. Yay. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bad With Money with Gabe Shane Dunn is a production of Noted Bisexual, produced by Melissa D. Montz and Diamond M. Print Productions, edited by Diane King, post-production sound by Coco Lorenz, and music by Mike Kaplan, Zach Sherwin, and Jack Dolgen, as sung by Sam Barbera. Thank you. Love you. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.